Morning, church. Morning, all those out there on Facebook. Happy Labor Day. Excited to be up here this morning. Uh, We'll pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, as we come here this morning, we're so excited to gather together to worship you, to glorify your name. Uh, We ask that you open our hearts and open our ears to listen to your word. Preach this morning, Father. May it bless our lives, Father. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. So across America, 50,000 people a day quit their jobs. 85% said that they could work harder. By the age of 40, the average person has had eight jobs. 50 to 80% of workers say that the job they have is unfulfilling. The average employee weighs 14.9 minutes a day on their personal cell phone while they should be working. Man that out to a year, that is 62 hours a year, so that's a week and a half a year you're on your cell phone when you should be working. 77% of workers polled work 50 hours a week. 26% of workers work more than 60 hours a week. As you can see, as we celebrate Labor Day this weekend... We're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about the true meaning of work. What it is, more importantly, what it isn't. We will see through this, we'll explain what work is. Not what we think work is, but what the Bible says work is. What God's idea of work truly is. As some of you know, me and Heidi lead the student ministry. And we are going through a series called Advocates right now, which is kind of a, you take a particular subject and talk about it and defend it and, and what the Bible says about it. So in, in those lessons, there's a misconception and a truth. So that's what we're going to do with work. We're going to see a misconception and a truth. So let's first see the misconception of what work is. Okay? As non-Christians, and if we're honest, a lot of us in here that are Christians or have the same viewpoint when it comes to work. Work is simply a means to an end. Right? That's what work is to us. It provides you money for your bills. It provides you money for food. It provides you money to party on the weekends. It provides for your pension, for your retirement, that big pension that you have when you retire. It makes, makes for a better life for you. That's what work does, Right? We do that. If we're honest, we do these things. Even as Christians, we say, I want to work more so I can tithe more. I want to work more so I can witness to all the employees that I work with. Which are all good things. But ultimately, we do the same thing as a non-Christian. We see it as an ends to a means. That's what work is to us. What do we work for? What do you get every week? You get that check. Right? That's what we work for, that check. We put up with it. We put up with getting up and going to work because of what it gets us. Right? That, 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 that work gets us a check. It provides for us. I love this. It says, we want to glorify God in the ends, but He is neglected in the means. We want to glorify God in our work, but He is neglected in the means. We want to honor God in the results of our work, but we forget about Him. 
But listen, he is not ultimately the main thinking of review of work itself, is he? Is God in your idea of work when you get up every day? He's not the main thing, is he? He's not. Our theology of work is messed up. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm guilty of that. As you'll see going through this sermon, and I'll say it, I'm, I, I'm preaching myself here. We can go all the way back to Genesis and see another misconception of work. And we've all heard this. It's all Adam's fault. It's Adam's fault we got to work. Who's heard that? Right? It's Adam's fault. It's all his fault we have to work. But look at Genesis 3, 17-19. It says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of which... Out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. This is where a lot of people believe work came into place. This is where work started. But listen, this is wrong. Very wrong. This is a misconception, and it's not true. This is not where work came into place. The truth of work is, this is our truth, the truth of work is, as we see in, we'll look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, in Genesis 2.15, let's look all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is key. Now let's look at verse 15. It says, Then the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To work it and keep it. So let's first look at the word work. And the Latin word for work is voca, where we get vocation. You guys are familiar with that word. And this is important. I want you guys to understand this. The word voca and the word work here is means to call. It's very important to call. In, many, in, in a certain time of history, when people worked, every job was considered a calling. We associate that with a pastor is called to ministry, right? But in this time, you were called to your job. It was a calling. So us Christians, work is what? A calling. Do you see that? Work is a calling to us. Whether you're a minister, a mechanic, waiter, a truck driver, doctor, or whatever, even a mom at home taking care of the kids, it is a calling. You don't work for the paycheck. We do not work for just the paycheck. We don't work because it's a personal fulfillment of ours to, oh, I've got to do this. This is what, what, what I feel like I have to do. That's not why you work. You don't work because you went to college and got a degree. This is important. Write this down. Bold it, italicize it, whatever. You work because it glorifies God. That's why you work. You may not believe me. Let's see what the Bible says about it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, 
So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right? Romans 11.36 says, For him, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So the Bible says we glorify God when we work. We see God wants to be glorified in everything that we do. Every aspect of our life, He wants to be glorified. Everything in our life is on display to glorify God. We may not think that, but everything that we do as Christians is to glorify God. That's what we're supposed to do. You see, it's not just enough to try and honor God in our jobs. Or that we try to be Christ-like at work with our employees. But listen, it must transform our view of work itself. Us as Christians must transform our view of work itself. I want you to see something. We just read from Genesis 2.15. Was that before or after the fall? It was before the fall, right? So work was put in place before what? The fall. So it's not the fall's fault. It wasn't Adam's fault that we have work. Right? That's the misconception. It's not the consequences of Adam that we have work. But listen to me, it's because of sin, the idea of toil and struggle with work is the consequences of Adam's sin. Do you see? It's not that that's where work came into place. It's the consequences of that sin that we work, toil, we sweat, and it's hard. It wasn't because of Adam's sinning. You see, it was part of how God designed this with the ability to work. He designed us that way. We see the word keep or slash cultivate used in Genesis 2.15 in Hebrew is translated into work or service. The idea of taking care of or protecting. Adam was put in the garden. He was put there to work and to take care of it. And just like Adam, we are created to work. Adam went from having dominion over the garden to what? The whole earth. Adam and Eve were to subdue all creation. They were to turn the whole earth into what the Garden of Eden looked like. Was that going to magically happen? It was going to take work. If you guys like Charles Spurgeon, i got like a bunch of quotes for him today. So get ready. Uh, the first one, it says, Hard work will do almost everything, but in God's services must not only be hard work, but hot work. The heart must be on fire. Hard work is a splendid thing. When you guys work hard, and when you accomplish something by working hard, how do you feel afterwards? You feel good. It feels better than not doing anything else and being lazy. Right? When you accomplish something by working hard, it feels good. We see in Genesis chapter 1, 27-28, this is called, a, a lot of people call it the cultural mandate. Uh, we see it says in verse 27, So God created man... In his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the flesh of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth, you shall return. So it's like this. You have Adam and Eve. They have kids. 
then those kids create families, then those families will make the cities and communities, right? Hence, those communities will change and make the culture. And that doesn't just happen, that's by work. To change a culture, that is, takes work. We see in Revelation 21, 2, it says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We see from the, in, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, an ultimate biblical picture of a redeemed humanity. We see work started in the garden, right? We're supposed to work now. Then we see in the book of Revelation, the city that's built on work is going to happen, right? From Genesis to Revelation, there's work. They're glorifying God through their work. Just as it was done in Genesis, now into the future. We see from the fall, the truth is, from the fall, work was what? It was cursed. Work has been cursed from the fall. Work is hard. Who would agree? Work is hard. Work is not easy. It makes you sweat. It makes you toil. It causes stress. Am I right? Does it cause stress? Is your job stressful? Working overtime is not easy. Working long hours is hard. Being away from your family, working long hours, that is hard. Listen, I get up at 4.30 in the morning. You think that's easy to get up at 4.30 in the morning every day and go to work? I can't stand it. There's mornings, that this, especially since March, all this pandemic, we've been crushed with work. Getting up is harder and harder every day. And it's also hard getting up for a job you don't like. I'll be honest, I don't like my job. I don't. Like I said, I'm preaching to myself here. I, I don't all the time, I don't glorify God through my work. I don't. Bosses aren't always nice. It's not fun working for a boss you don't like. You see, work isn't the way it was supposed to be. This isn't how work, this isn't how God wanted work to be. Just like everything else, work was perfect. Then it was cursed from sin, just like we are cursed with sin. But listen to this, work is still good. Even though it's cursed, work is still good. We have to see the both the good and the bad of work. If we just think all work is good and wear rose-colored glasses, we're going to be let down, right? It's not good, but it's, it's not good all the time and it's not bad all the time. Because we have to think it is part of God's creation. He created work. It was affected by the fall. Romans 8, 20-21 says, For the creation was subjected to the futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, when we were saved and when we, when we were redeemed, when God redeemed us, God didn't just change our eternal destination, did He? He didn't just change that, but He changes what? He changes our whole worldview. He changes our enti- entire thinking. He changes how we think about things, right? 
When we are saved, He changes it. He changes how we think. So as Christians, we must have a different view of what work is. It has to be different than the non-Christian. It has to be different. We cannot think of work as a necessary means or a means to the end. We can't think that way. So, how do we live out the, the true meaning of work? How do we live that out? Or how do we do the right thing or be the right type of employees or employers? Some of you are employers. The, the same goes for you. Important question is, how do we glorify God in our work? Today we're going to look at five ways to glorify God in our work. The first one we're going to see is, is to have the right behavior. The key word here, and I want you to understand this, is obedience. We are to be obedient. As Christians, we are to obey those who employ us. Again, that's hard. You made yourself, I can't do that. You don't know my boss. You don't know what I gotta go through every day. I can't I can't obey what he or she says. He's horrible. He favors other employees over me. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna obey him. Let's look at first Peter two eighteen and see what it says. It says, Servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle but also the unjust. Now, does that say we're only supposed to obey the nice bosses and the good bosses? No. We are not only supposed to obey the nice and gentle bosses and managers, but the ones who are unreasonable and mean and not nice to us. We are to submit to their authority. 1 Timothy 6.1 says, Let all who are under a yoke as a bondservant, regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Romans thirteen seven says, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and this is important, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And last one, Titus 2, 9. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing and not argumentative. See, that's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. We are to respect and be obedient to our bosses. We have to be Christian employees. We have to demonstrate to the world that Christ has not made us a disgruntled employee. How many of us know disgruntled employees? They're everywhere, right? We all work with them. They constantly complain. They grumble about everything. But we have to be someone who is diligent in their work. We are set apart. Our work should be different. And this is important. No matter how we are treated, we are to try to be honest and faithful in our work. No matter how bad we are treated, we are to do our job and do it well. We struggle with the word authority, right? We struggle with the word authority. We see, we don't like the fact to think about authority in the workplace, but we have authority in the family, with the parents and the kids with authority, don't we? And we see in the government, we have authority in government. Why do we not think that there is authority in the workplace? Why shouldn't we respect authority? 
We must have the right behavior in glorifying God through our work. Our next point is right perspective. From the right behavior we have to the right perspective. Uh, We have to submit, the big word there, submit to the authority of our managers. And in the right perspective, we see the the boss-employee relationship is just a simple fleshly relationship. We have to understand that he only has authority over you in the workplace. That's it. He can't tell you how to live your life outside of work. He has the authority over you in the workplace. It's just a simple, fleshly relationship. And as Christians, we are also to pray for our employees and employers. Are they sinners just like you and me? They fall short of the glory of God every day like we do. We are to be there to disciple slash witness to our workers. We are to spread the good news of the gospel. By being obedient to our, to our managers and bosses, we're obedient in praying for our employees slash employers. By doing that, we glorify God in our work by having the right perspective. The third way we glorify God through our work is having the right attitude. Again, we are to show respect to our bosses. Philippians 2, 14-15 says... Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Again, who knows the employee that complains all the time? I work with with them all day long. I work next to the guy that he just constantly complains all day long. We can't be that way. We don't need to constantly complain. We don't want to be that person. When we are supposed to work eight hours, you work eight hours. When you're supposed to work ten hours, you work ten hours. What am I meaning by that? We saw with the stats, we don't need to be on our cell phone all the time and not working. Don't steal their money. Because that's what you're doing. If you're not working your job, you're stealing their money. But what you got to do is work hard for that money. Be different. Imagine if you were different than all the employees around you that weren't doing nothing, but you actually worked. Is that going to stand out? Another Spurgeon quote says, The best preparation for sleep, the healthiest soporific, which means induced sleepiness, is hard work. And one of the best things to prepare us for sleeping in Jesus is to live in Him an active life of going about doing good. This is the employee we want to be like. When you get done with work and it's time for bed, you should be able to lay on that bed and go to sleep right away. If you worked hard and gave everything that you have in that job, you should be able to go to sleep. I grew up with this. My dad worked two jobs, busted his butt every day. And when he went to bed, he went to sleep. You guys know people like that. You may have grew up that way. That's how we are to work. Work hard. We don't want to be like this next employee that we see a quote from. Lazy people always find fault with their tools, and those who do not intend to work always find some excuse. Is that the truth? Lazy people always have an excuse for not doing their job. 
Which employee do you want to be? The working hard when you go to bed you fall asleep or do you want to be the lazy worker? Listen, we cannot be lazy. We can't. Our society has become lazy. We can't be that way. We need to work hard. That's what we were designed to do is work hard. Our fourth way to glorify God is having the right commitment. With the right commitment, we see that this lies with the sincerity of your heart. To be committed to something comes straight from your heart. The only way to be a good employee, the way God calls us to be an employee, a worker, and that is completely a hard thing. You have to be committed. You have to be honest, real, loyal, and committed to be doing the best job that you can do. First Thessalonians 4.11 says, And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we have instructed you. That's what we are to do. Don't cause a fuss. Do your job. Go home and do it again. Our work needs our undivided attention. We have to be 100% there. We can't be uh, 20% there. We can't do that. Imagine if you only gave 20% of your effort at your job, are you glorifying God with that 20%? If we give 100% effort to our jobs, we're going to glorify God through that 100%. Fifthly, the most important way to glorify God through work is having the right motive. Now, this might make some of you upset. That's okay. But this is important. There is no distinction between your Christian life and your work life. Let me repeat that again. There's no distinction between your Christian life and your work life. There's no difference. You can't live your secular life Monday through Saturday... They come to church on Sunday and say, I'm a Christian today. It doesn't work like that. You have one life. That's it. When you're a Christian, you live that Christian life. There is no work life and Christian life. There isn't one. You are a Christian all the time. Whether you're an electrician, a dentist parent, a teacher, whatever job that is, you're doing it all for who? You're doing it for Him. You're doing it for Jesus. That's what you're doing it for. You're doing it to glorify Jesus through your job. That's what your work is for. It is all for His glory, not ours. You don't work for you. You work for His glory. We see that your life is a sacred act of worship. Do you understand that? Your life is a sacred act of worship. Your whole life. Not just part of it, your whole life, everything that we do. Remember back to 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. doesn't matter what it is. We do it all to glorify God. You see, our jobs are our service to Jesus. I want you to understand, I want you to see something. 
the prayers that you lift up to God, glorifying your work, glorifying in your work is the same as that. Do we see that? The prayers that we lift up to God, glorifying God in your work is the same. Us coming to church every Sunday morning is the same as us glorifying God through our work. Reading our Bibles, glorifying God through our work is the same. Do you see that? We glorify God in everything that we do. I want you to imagine something. When you guys go to work Tuesday, if you got to work tomorrow, whatever, when you go to work, I want you to imagine that Jesus was your boss. Would you work differently? I would. Because what do you want to do? You want to please God. You want to please Jesus. You want to glorify Him. When you, if you don't like your boss, are you going to work the hardest you can? What good does it do if I bust him, but my boss doesn't care? But I want you to think if God was your boss, it would be different. We are to work as if we are serving Jesus. That's what we are to do. We are full-time employees as Christians. That's what we are. We are under the lordship of Jesus working to glorify God. That's what we're to do. That's a struggle for us. Work is a struggle. Like I told you, I don't glorify God through my job because I don't like it. And I'm wrong. I stand before you telling you I am wrong. This has completely changed my thought process of work. I have a buddy who I work with. Um, He's not a Christian. Uh, but he met this girl that he likes. So when she goes to church. Um, so he goes to church now every once in a while because he likes the girl. Uh, but we have conversations all the time. And a while back, he, his name's Ed. Um, he called me out and said, you're acting differently. You shouldn't be doing that. You see, I got caught in living in that, well, secular life and Christian life. When you're surrounded by people who aren't Christian, you, you are tempted to do the things that they're doing. And him calling me out on that was a good thing. He recognized that. We have real conversations now. He has questions. His grandmother and mother died of cancer, and he doesn't understand why that happens. God has opened a door for me to, to witness to him and to talk to him. He called me out. Because I wasn't living my 100% Christian life. And we can't do that. As I asked the band to come up, we have seen five ways to glorify God through our work. But this next thing I want to talk about is not on your sheet. Um, but it's very important. We bring glory to God in our work when we rest. Rest is an important thing. Deuteronomy 5, 13-15 says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were, in a, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, 
And the Lord God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded, I'm sorry, commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We see rest is a deep spiritual thing. We don't think that it's a spiritual thing. But rest is. Rest should be a regular part of your work week. You see, God commands it. God commands it for us in the Great Commission to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's just as important for us to rest. We have to be serious about getting rest. How many of us actually get rest? Honestly. Not many, right? We're so busy. The best thing we can do as an employer or employer is for, and for the glory of God, is to set apart one day a week in your work week to rest. Today is our Sabbath day, Sunday, for me. It's my Sabbath day. It's my day to actually rest. And I don't really rest like I should. We have to actually take a day and rest and turn everything off. Turn all the craziness off in your life that's gone throughout the week and just take rest in Jesus. That's what we can do. He is our Sabbath. Another Spurgeon quote, The best and wisest thing in the world is to work as if it all depended upon you. And then, trust in God, knowing that it all depends on Him. You see, when we rest in Jesus, we put our trust in God, knowing that it doesn't depend on you and me. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on Him. By dying on the cross and on the third day raising again, we can have rest in Him not only today, tomorrow, but forever. He did all the work. This is something we can't work for. We are to work hard, but we can't work hard for this. No matter what anybody tells you, you can't work to come to Christ. You can't. Because He did all the work. He will not fail us. He will not forsake us. We are to work because it brings glory to God. I'm going to leave you with this quote. A man who expects to get in on the world with anything that is good without work, is a fool. Throw your whole soul into the service of God, and then you will get God's blessing if you are resting upon Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we've seen what work is, and through our work we are to glorify You, because we know You've done all the work. As we are about to come to the table this morning, drink, or drink the cup and, and take from the bread, we, we, we look and see all the work that you've done for us. Work that we didn't deserve. We didn't deserve your grace and your mercy. But you died for us. And as we take up collection, we know that you have blessed us with everything that we have. Again, we don't deserve any of it. You just ask for a little bit back, Lord. May you bless those offerings and tithes, Lord. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.